Uncertain. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 85.5 of Definitively Uncertain. I'm John Colbert. With me, as always, Adele Colbert. And today, we have a very special guest. Flew all the way in today just to come do this podcast. I'm lying, but <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny. Uh, we have Andrew Vincent, and um, Andrew Vincent does a podcast. The number one, what was it? Number the one? number one live podcast in Canada. We record Canadian Patriot podcast every Monday night, and since COVID happened, usually on Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. Catch us on YouTube, and then anywhere that fine podcasts can be heard. You guys do a YouTube video too? Yeah, you gotta get the real time audio uh, audience interaction, so it streams to YouTube, and then we rip the audio out and post it on iTunes later in the week. Nice. You should teach me how to do that. Super easy, no problem. Awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. That'd be super cool. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. We, we were actually thinking about doing it, and then we were just like, I, I don't, know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're, you're. I'm like super jealous of your setup. So, like. I don't know if you've walked your listeners through this, but you guys have like a real audio setup with like XLR cables and a voice compressor, and there's a Mac that I have no idea how it works, yeah. and uh, we use a, a product on the internet called StreamYard that just streams it to YouTube, and I rip the audio out as it's going to YouTube, because I'm super lazy. Well, this was uh, more of a, we just put it together. Like now, you can go and buy the whole podcast kit. You know I, what I, I mean? have never seen a good podcast kit. I know that you can buy them. I've just never seen like a like a good one. Yeah. Well, I thought it was crazy because I was like, this was after though, because I was like, okay, so we'll do this, and we started off with that little little the, one, the focus right. Yeah, the focus right, and you know that was given to a Adele actually, yep. and then uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden I was like, I want to have a guest on, and then. I was like, you know, but this is only two channels, so now i got to try to figure out how to do a splitter. You, you soldered together your own splitter. I literally cut pieces up, soldered it all together to make nice, it work for nice. yeah, for a friend of mine to come in. And I was like, maybe that'll work, you know? And then that was actually kind of sketchy. And, like, the headphones weren't working right, and mm-hmm. nothing was working right. And I was like, all right. I went on Amazon. I saw that one. Um, had the best reviews. It was the one that was, like... You know, if you're going to do it, it's easy. It's super easy to use. You know, there's a lot of dials there I've never touched. <laughs> uh, I've messed with them all at yeah. this point. Yeah, I'm like, Adele, this is up to you to figure it out. I'll pay for it. You figure it out. You just make it. it sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't make me sound like an idiot. I do that <laughs> enough. So, yeah. So, yeah, and then it just kind of kept progressing to this. And it's been pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Like I was saying earlier, it's kind of hard to make content sometimes. You know, you come up with subjects and then you're like, uh, is that a push button subject? Is that too, too much? Or, you know, like, in, I don't know. I don't know. We've gotten hate mail from some of our stuff and I find that there's no like. You got hate mail? Oh yeah. I love oh, getting hate mail. I'm hate jealous. Hate is the best. I'm jealous. I, oh. wish, I wish I got hate we mail. We have like nine listeners. Yeah, us too. Yeah. It's probably the same nine. Yeah, right? That's it. <laughs> it's the entire just... population of the country. They're all listening to our podcasts. Yeah. Well, now that we're conflicting on Wednesdays, I don't know what's going to happen there. Oh, that's fine. It's the live listeners. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else will get it on their iTunes feed next that, week. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what's your podcast about? Mostly my undying hatred of the government. Yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, I started out in life, well, as a communist, and then I became a libertarian because that seemed like a better plan, and not sharing my stuff once I was old enough to actually own stuff. Yeah. Because communism sounds really good until you're like, oh, 
oh, we all have to stand in bread lines. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't about that. Uh, thought I'd be a libertarian. Decided I don't really like that much either because we can't have nice things. Yeah. So my uh, my current stance is very anti-government. So we mm. mostly talk about the news and how the government is giving away all of my tax dollars to people I don't like. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely look at the same thing. And I like, I have family that, you know, accepts government stuff. And I'm like, you don't deserve it. <laughs> I mean, if it's there, because uh, like there's an argument to be had for if the government is giving out stuff... I pay the government a lot of money against my will. I want some stuff back. Yeah. So if there's like services to be had or like if I was eligible for like CERB, for example, I yeah. would have no qualms about standing in line to get my CERB check. Oh, you're eligible if you don't. You well, just I say... mean, I realize that now, but I thought when I read the original requirements, I'm like, oh, I, I still have my job. I'm still working. My business is still functional. Like I have all. Now I found out that the, the CRA is not going to audit anybody. So if you took money and you weren't entitled to it, you probably don't have to pay it back. Right. And now they might make it like universal basic income anyway, which is another thing that we frequently talk about is my undying hatred for universal basic income. Because again, the whole communist thing. Yeah. So like I'm all for universal stuff for communism, like free helicopter rides. Like they get a free ride up. The rest is up to them. <laughs> so, okay. So um, I'm kind of in, in agreement with you with, uh, the, okay, so the CERB thing really bothered me actually, because I was uh, I was working somewhere, and then I I went and got another job, and then in between that time of me getting the other job and me leaving this job, my appendix burst, and I had to go in for surgery, so I call up unemployment, and I'm like, you know, I I can't work right now, so. You know, I just need this four to six weeks or whatever. Yeah, we'll give you CERB. I'm like, no, give me unemployment. That's that's what I'm asking for. And they're like, no, we'll give you the CERB. You get both, right? You do. Well, I was like, I didn't understand. I was like, no, I paid into this. You know, I just want four to six weeks because I knew that, you know, they were talking about come tax time, you know, I might get taxed on it. And I'm like, well... I don't want to get taxed on it because I've already paid into it. Mm -hmm. Like what, why am I going to get taxed again? You know, over it's not, it's not that I had COVID I had nothing to do with COVID at all. Just give me my unemployment. Give me the four to six weeks. So when I can go start my new job, I don't have to rely on you guys anymore. And they wouldn't do it. It's just automatic CERB. doesn't matter if it's COVID related or not. They just say, Nope, here you go. This is what you get. Yeah. And now it's going to be up to you to sort that out. If the CRA comes knocking and they, yeah. they want their money back and you have to sort that out with your accountant like a year from now. Yeah. Which is kind of horseshit. Well, it's I the government. Think. I mean, yeah. when have you ever had an interaction with the government that wasn't horseshit? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I can count on one hand. So I'm probably not in that bad of a position. I had four to six weeks. Like I had six weeks worth of CERB, I guess, or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah. For me, I you know, tax-wise, they might be like, okay, so you owe this much. I'll be like, whatever, I'll pay it. I don't want to, but because I've already paid into it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the part that, that, that really chaps me, that whole situation. It's just the amount of taxation that we end up getting off of our checks, and then we get taxed for everything else, and it's just, we're taxed to death. Mm -hmm. And Adele... She's just started into the workforce. Uh, so now she's... Welcome to losing half of your income. Yeah, right? Yep. Now she's starting to learn that, you know, oh, I make this much an hour, but, you know, that doesn't equate to what I get, you know? 
Yeah, I can calculate how much I make in hours, and then I have to multiply that by 0.8 because 20% is taken off for taxes. Oh, it gets, it gets so, so much, much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you hit different tax brackets, all of a sudden, I don't. Yeah, it's like half your job. <laughs> the The better you do, the more money they want. It's 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 horrible, but yeah. it's the way that Canada works. Well, yep. it's the way a lot of places work, but. Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to get trade-offs for that. Like, we're supposed to get socialized medicine. But, like, good luck standing in line for your x-ray with everybody else that needs an x-ray. Or if you have anything remotely bad happen where you have to, like, oh, I don't know, get chemotherapy. And you may get it or you may not get it in time. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. that's a big one. Uh, Andrea, actually, she, she something with her nose. She was getting... She's going to get a... A CT scan, I think. It took like it's taken like six or six or seven months to get in. Yeah. For this, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And then, well, see now, in Alberta, they're like, or you can pay to go have it done. Well, that's even on Ontario. I mean, I could pay to have my dog get a CT scan tomorrow. Yeah. There's really there is no good reason why they couldn't run me through the same machine. Yeah. Right, but it's a it's a pay per use thing. Yeah. And. I'm not paying for use because it's socialized medicine, so I get to go stand in line with everybody else and yeah. wait six or seven months or however long it is before they deem that I'm worthy. And six feet apart. Well, and, I mean, it's a big long. And wearing a mask yeah. and <laughs> all the rest of it that you have to do nowadays. Yeah, people keep calling it the new normal. I, I just... disagree with that term. I don't... It's, it's, it's maybe the new, like, current state of things, but to call it normal is misnomer at best. And it's not new. Other countries have done stuff like this. Taking taking guns away, you know, making people rely on the government, you know, other places have done this, you know, we've, we've seen it and we've, we kind of know what those countries like, kind of look at Cuba, you know, Cuba, Venezuela, uh, Pol Pot's Vietnam, it's not Vietnam, it's, uh, Cambodia, Cambodia, Cambodia. yeah, uh, China after the long march through the institutions. Yeah. 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 It's only been done a couple of times. Only a few. It's not new. It might be new for Canada, but it ain't new. It ain't a new theory. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people out there that would agree or disagree with us, but there's a lot of people out there that agree with us too. So well, at least nine of them, right? And at least nine of them, yeah. yeah. And, so, and we know at least two of them are family, so they kind of have to. They don't have a choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, actually, we kind of talked a bit about it about taking the guns away, and that had a pretty big impact on your business yeah uh my my side business ragnarok tactical i'm a firearms instructor i do tactical training for competitive shooters we do stuff with military law enforcement but we primarily deal with the civilian market in southern ontario so me and my guys pack all the crap in the truck we show up at your gun club we put on a course and we teach people to shoot more good some people might even say better yeah The, the gun ban thing has put a bit of a wrench into that for us. We are primarily training people on semi-automatic rifles, mostly the AR-15. I mostly shoot AR-15 in competition. That is that is my skill. That is my hobby. That is what I do for fun is I, uh, I poke holes in paper with really high-speed pieces of lead. Yeah. And we can't do that anymore. But I still own all the same guns I owned before the May 1st Order and Council came out that said all the guns are banned. Well, all the, all the fun guns are banned. Yeah. Everything's still owned. My license hasn't changed. My registration for all my guns hasn't changed. And I still have all the guns in the safe at home, the same as I did before. Yeah. And I will for at least another two years. Well, two years from the 1st of May. So May 1st, 2022. I'll still have them all. Yeah. 
there's nothing preventing me from doing anything with them except that I'm like compliant with the law and the law says I'm currently not allowed to do anything but keep them in my safe. Yeah. Kind of a messed up thing because like before what could I do with them? I could take them to the range. I could take them to my gunsmith. Well, my own gunsmith so like that doesn't count but like I could take them to a gunsmith. Yeah. Or I could sell them to somebody else with a license. Or I could keep them in the safe. Well, now I'm like, I still do all of those other things with my other firearms. Yeah. So, uh, AR-15s are regulated the same way as a handgun is in this country. You have to have a, a restricted class of license. You have to have it registered. You have to shoot at an approved government shooting range. You can't just, like, go out in the woods and shoot it at deers or whatever. Because yeah. it's treated like a handgun, and handguns can only be legally discharged in uh, Section 29 approved ranges under the Firearms Act. AR-15 gets treated the same way. There's a small exception with what I do because I'm able to shoot on military ranges. Yeah. Um, we are very lucky in Canada in that we can shoot side by each with the Canadian forces. So I compete in service conditions. So we look kind of like the military. We shoot equipment kind of like the military. And we shoot in the military fashion on military ranges, which is a, a unique thing. Most other countries don't have that, or at least not to the degree that we have here. The NRA does something with high power in the U.S. It's kind of like shooting with the military. And it does happen on a military range. It's not at all the same as what we do here with service conditions. Because I'm like, I do like a 500 yard rundown. And to my right might be a guy in like combats that's drawing pay and shooting an actual C7 machine gun. And he's doing the same course of fire at the same time as I am. And we're head to head competing, doing whatever that course of fire is that time. Yeah. This is the stuff that I win medals and trophies at. And I compete at it on a national level. Yeah. And we can't do that any longer. And the whole reason that we do that is to make the military shoot better. So we've been shooting with the, as a civilian organization, the Dominion of Canada Rifle Association has been shooting military issue or military style or as close as we can get to whatever the, the style of the day rifle is to the Canadian forces since 1867. We've never had an issue. Almost every province has a PRA, a Provincial Rifle Association that works the same thing in Ontario. The ORA was also 1867. Organized shooting is the oldest organized sport in the country. It is older than basketball or hockey or anything else. Really? Yeah. Because 1867. Yeah. That's like, what yeah. What in Canada, aside from Hudson's Bay, is that old? Yeah, that's like, true. The Hudson's Bay Company and then that's it. So, yeah. Canada itself. Well, it kind of makes right? sense. Was made a country in 1867. Right. And that's when we were all incorporated. All of the, the rifle organizations were incorporated into... Uh, corporations and it was all done under like crown warrants and we're all like royal recognized things or what have you yeah so we've been able to do this on military ranges with and against military members forever and this year we can't i mean this year we weren't going to be able to anyway because nationals got canceled due to the whole covid thing yeah but we've been shooting ar-15 since the canadian forces adopted the c7 in the what in like 1984 or something Whenever the, the C1 FN and FAL went out of favor and the uh, C7 came in, the C7 is like our version of an M16. AR-15s are as close as we can get to those. The big difference is that we don't have select fire. Ours are not machine guns. It's semi-auto. So you pull the trigger, you fire one round. With full auto, with machine guns, you hold the trigger down. It keeps firing until it runs out of ammunition. Yeah. So same kind of idea. We can't do any of that stuff now. So we're not competing against the military. We're not comp competing against law enforcement. My business isn't running classes. Uh, one of the leagues that I'm involved in, we're not organizing shooting events anymore. Like, we're, There's all kinds of implications to this. And 
everyone that had one of these guns before May 1st still has them. Like, I still have a safe full at home, and so do most of my friends. Yeah. There's there's no change in any of that. It's not going to impact any of the law. And meanwhile, we see in places like Toronto, this has been the most violent summer since, like, 2004. There's been, like, this is the most murders in Toronto in, like, 15 years. Yeah. Calgary's been kind of blowing up, too, to Yeah, be Calgary. I, I, I saw numbers last week. It was, like, the most shooting murders in Calgary in, like, six years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy. But it's all gangsters with guns, like, illegal guns and illegal yeah. handguns, not not machine guns, not AR-15s. And that's... and That's the... That was kind of your point. That on, was when my we, point. When we covered that yeah. on our, our podcast. Yeah, people that want to do this that are enthusiasts are going to do everything legally because they want to keep doing it. It's a sport. It's something that they enjoy doing. Criminals are just fucking criminals. It's not going to change anything. They're still going to get their guns from the United States or a break and enter or Mm -hmm. whatever. They're going to get them, and they're not going to use them properly. And those guns are not being taken away. They'll never be taken away until the guy gets caught and there's bodies on that gun. Yep. Well, and even then, are they really? Are they going to take the guns away? Is that guy going to get paroled again because of our our amazing hug a thug policies, where it's just a revolving criminal justice system, or we can't try them fast enough in the courts, and we have to let them out because we're not following? Uh, what's the? Uh, there was a, there was a law that came out a couple of years ago that you have to try somebody within a reasonable within length of time within two years. Yeah. So yep. if you can't get them to trial within the two years, well, they just walk on everything. Yeah, on everything. And it's like, well, like, what does that do That's to prevent actual crimes? It's true, though. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, I didn't and, know that. No? They didn't teach oh, us man. that. Yeah, no, that's Oh, wow, they didn't teach you something at school. Oh. <laughs> surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the other thing is, is that, you know, they're letting people out because of overcrowding because of COVID. Yeah, which again, I, I don't, I don't buy, I don't buy that. I, I think there are ulterior motives for this. There has to be. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. You're a criminal, and all of a sudden you're scared because, you know, you're going to get COVID, and all of a sudden you're eligible for parole because of a, a virus that might come through the jail and kill you. What? Yeah, no. You know, I still got to go to work. Mm-hmm. Me and people still got to go to school. You know, you still have to go to the grocery store. Yep. You know, it's not like, oh, you know what, can you just everything and leave it on my doorstep because I'm scared I'm going to get COVID. Doesn't make any sense to me. No, I don't understand why you'd be letting criminals out of, out of jail to do that because I mean, like, I, I understand there are staff that are going to come in and out, but I mean, how much interaction does the staff have with the, the inmates? How much interaction does the outside public have with the inmates? Maybe we should turn off whatever those interactions are for the duration of this little adventure. Did you have to get an approval license to shoot with... Uh, or an approval letter to shoot with the Canadian forces? Yes. Uh, so government uh, D&D ranges are not Section 29 approved under the Firearms Act, so they don't fall under the same regulation as your local shooting range or shooting club. So you had to sign so it. So we have a different... It's the same form, but it's applied differently by the, the provincial CFO. Every province has their own chief firearms officer. Yeah. They do some paperwork voodoo. But if you want to go to your local gun club, it's no problem. It's just like a condition on your license now. It used to be a separate authorization to transport, which is a letter you get that says you can take these guns from this place to this place at this time on this date. And they used to just like blank issue like you could take any gun that you own from your residence to any range that you're a member of for this number of years. 
We do something very similar with the Department of, of National Defense Ranges. Okay. There's a process that gun clubs used to do when we had the letters. The provincial rifle associations do the same thing, and we basically say that, like, we know who this person is. We want them to be able to bring their guns to the military range. The military's cool with this. And then we get a form letter that says, like, you can go to events that are at the military range. Yeah. I, I, I'm just learning about this because I actually, when my new job started, I had to actually go... I have to get an approval letter also because it's explosives, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it was something that uh, somebody actually mentioned it to me, and they were like, you know, I I had to, it. He's like, you know, I I had to do it uh, when I got my restricted gun license and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. He goes, so when I when I applied for here when I started the job, kind of went through faster because I already had those other processes, and I was like, well, because I don't own any guns. It's taking forever. It's taking so long. <laughs> it's driving me nuts. I don't know that the owning the guns or having the gun license makes anything easier or better for anything else, but it is one of those things that's like, by virtue of having a firearms license, you get a criminal records check done every single day. Really? Absolutely. You get run through something. Uh, as a firearms licensee, uh, I, am, I and every other 1.4 million gun owners in the country, 2.4 million? 2.4 million gun owners in the country get... Uh, subject to something called continuous eligibility screening. Um, it's in the CPIC system. Every day the computer runs like a batch check on all of our names and license numbers. And if we've had any new interactions with law enforcement in the last 24 hours since it last ran, CPIC kicks out a whole list and continu continuous eligibility screening will flag us and our local constabulary may come for a visit and confiscate all of our firearms. It also means that every time I get pulled over for speeding, it comes up that I'm a gun owner. Oh. Or if they search my address it comes up that there might be firearms present in the home because my wife and i are gun owners and so on and so forth so all of the cpic stuff all all is tied into the firearms licensing system yeah but part of that is i get a criminal record check every single day i am statistically in the safest group the most law-abiding the least homicidal group of canadians but i'm also part of the only group of canadians that actually gets a criminal records check on a daily basis we get more scrutiny than pedophiles or actual hardened murderers, or people that are out on parole that have to check in with their parole officer once a week, or once a month, or less frequent, frequently as the case may be. That's nuts. That's yeah. crazy. That's... Uh, Just because you own a gun. Well, because I have a license, not even necessarily because I have a gun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, so... Just because you can own a gun. Just because I could own it. Because I have jumped through all of the government hoops and red tapes to be able to purchase a firearm or ammunition... I am subject to a continuous eligibility screening every single day. So if dad had a gun license, even though he doesn't own any firearms, he would be every single day subject to that screening as well. That's right. Wow. wow. How, are and, how are people shooting people then? I don't well, understand. I don't, if, you have to, if you have to have a special permit to take your gun to the gun range, how do you how do you stop at Jane and Finch in downtown Toronto? I guess Jane and Finch isn't really downtown Toronto, but yeah. how do you go to like Jane and Finch in Toronto and like shoot up the hood if you are supposed to have a special permit that says you can take your handgun from your house to your shooting club and home again yeah that's weird it's almost like the paperwork doesn't stop the crimes yeah it's weird that is weird wow. you know, hmm. we're learning so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um on top of that you decided you come out and uh visit alberta yes yes the uh probably the most conservative um place in canada I mean, I think it's up there. I've been to most of the country for, for work or for business. Um, I travel a little bit for fun. 
I think Alberta is up there for conservative. Yeah. Uh, there's some other prairie provinces that do okay, but they also have, uh, let's say, some more socialist policies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a car insurance, but the only place to get it is the government. Yeah. Oh, that's BC. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, BC and I think Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, yeah, but BC is notorious for that one. That one's. Really? Yeah, yeah everyone has the same insurance. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It 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 is, yeah. especially. It's kind of uh, like a racket, but okay. Yeah, definitely a racket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to sue the insurance company when it's all the same insurance company. There's a. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a little sketchy. <laughs> right? And especially when they're the ones that, you know, deal with your license and your plates and your yep. being able to drive. Yep. But, yeah, there's also a lot of psychopaths in BC. Well, I mean, it's BC. Have you seen it? It's, just, it's a crazy place. Yeah. It's a super crazy place. I, I'm just, yeah, even in, like, my cousin lives in Kelowna. He so we were just driving down the road and all of a sudden he's in like he has like this Volkswagen Jetta and then this other Volkswagen Jetta pulls up beside us and gasses it and he just goes okay I guess we're racing no we shouldn't (laughs) be racing this car is beat to hell bald tires and he's screaming around these curves going back into Kelowna and finally I was like Jesus Christ Ricky I'm like, don't kill me. I got shit to do tomorrow. Like, <laughs> don't kill me, all right? And he's just laughing, and then he finally lets off. And then he was talking about his DUI, and then he was talking about when he got his license taken away the other time. And I was like, what in the... Like, I'm driving from now on. That's that's all there is to it. I'm way more conservative <laughs> driver than what he was. Yeah, you might as well just, I don't know, been a 14-year-old kid behind the wheel. Which is legal here, as long as you have a licensed driver. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's Alberta, though, so it's a, it's a little bit different. Well, it's because of farms, right? It's yeah. all the farm kids. Yeah, that's that's the reason why it's actually 14. Was... But we have a 14-year-old kid who's not really interested. Yeah. Brody, no interest. Adele, she yeah. was all for it. Cars are cool. You should like cars. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, Brody's mm-hmm. got, like, zero interest. I'm like... I think we just made it too comfortable at home for him. Could be. That's Could what be. the problem is, right? He doesn't want to get away from it. He's <laughs> like, no, why? I got a big screen TV. I got an Xbox. I'm, I'm good. All set, yeah. Yeah. No, I should just, I should change that to like one of those old put on your desk TVs. You remember yeah, those? Yeah, CRT. Yeah. With the, yeah. A little bit of flicker in yeah, it. Yeah, with that one antenna. It was That'd always horrible. Yep. Ended up breaking, so he ended up putting a metal clothesline. Or... He would love What's that. What's that called? Close Closinger. Closinger. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, I lost the word. So you came out to... Came, in theory, I'm here for work. Yeah. But I'm working double shifts on weekends with nothing booked in the middle. Yeah. So I'm like touristing around southern Alberta. We went and did Banff and Lake Louise. Lake Louise is apparently super busy on Tuesday mornings. Who knew? Yeah. I uh, I have a big rant about Lake Louise. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear that because I uh, I didn't get to see it except the parking lot. Well, I hate I hate it. Oh, <laughs> like when we first came out here, you could drive up and there was the parking lot and you could park, and you can go take a look. Well, so there's actually a, a way nicer view. It's called Lake Marine, which is just down the road from Lake Louise. So you have to actually park at lake louise and make your way up there so 
uh, I wanted to go there when the fall came because apparently it's just gorgeous. I like taking photos. So I'm like, we're going to go up there. So we drove up and we got down the road where they, you know, where the parking is. And all the guys kept going, come on. Yep, come on. Just keep coming. And I was like, is it parking up here? Just keep going. Just keep going. You can't stop. You know, it's too busy. Uh, okay. Yep, come on. And all of a sudden we hit this roundabout. And I'm like, this roundabout takes us to the exit. Like, we're, we're heading back out. Yeah. So they're like, come on. And I'm like, is there parking down here? And they're like, just keep going. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right, sure enough, they literally escorted us all the way up, around, and back out again. And then told us to go use the buses that were like eight kilometers down the road. Nice. Yeah, there's like, there's a parking thing down here, and they have buses, and you can jump in the bus. And then when the bus is full, we'll take you up there. And then a specific time... You know, you can jump back on the bus and go back. Or if you miss that bus, another bus will come. And I was like, no. Like, no. Let I'm not doing that. Let just explore. I was like, I'm not doing that at all. I'm like, no, I'm not going. I'm not jumping on a bus. I don't want to deal with a whole bunch of other people. A bunch of tourists. I get it. I live here. But, you know, and I'm still touristing, you know. But at the same time, I'm not... Oh, this is going to sound racist. I am not a bunch of tourists with a bunch of cameras that are yelling and screaming. And, yeah, it, I just, I don't like that whole situation. So, the first time we ever went out, out to, like, Banff and area, we were down Highway 1. We decided we were going to oh pull over. We decided we were going to pull over to take a picture, all right? And we put the kids there. And this bus of Asian people come out and like they're all everywhere and all of a sudden i can't take the shot because they just don't care they they'll walk right in front of you they they don't care they got no camera etiquette whatsoever so i'm trying to take a picture of the kids and literally an asian lady runs in between and grabs the kids and smiles and then takes back off into the bus and i was like what the fuck just happened like i was trying to get a nice shot and then all of a sudden it just blew up and then as fast as it blew up, they were like, all back and gone again, right? I was like, this is nuts. But so, okay. And I'm trying to say this diplomatically. In China and Japan and places like that, their idea of distance, like having a safe distance from people, is, space is, is not like, the same. Yeah. yeah, personal space. It's not the same. And I hate people close to me. So... If I'm going to jump on a bus, you know, and someone hangs over top of me to take a picture, I'm going to lose my shit. I don't like it. I don't want people sitting there touching me. But for some reason, it's it's acceptable for, for them. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That's the way they grew up. That's the way they lived. That's fine. But have respect for people that maybe didn't live in that culture. Do you know what I mean? Without trying to sound... So you you can't see it because this is a podcast, but I'm going to get really, really close to John now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. It's just, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it, there's a cultural difference there, but that cultural difference irritates me. I get it. It's probably my white privilege talking. Likely. But I don't care. No, I, I, I totally get that. We had that. I don't want to deal with tourists. I don't want to deal with other people. And... 
It was really weird because I was expecting we have to be like busier. And it wasn't that it wasn't busy. It's just that everybody was shopping. Yeah. So if we went anywhere that literally was not shopping in like downtown Banff, we were by ourselves and it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's literally like Niagara Falls. But, oh, very but much mountains. So. Yeah, very much so. You know, you've got the one strip where everyone can buy their little souvenirs and then you break off of that strip and there's... There's nobody. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, there's nothing. So I thought it was kind of crazy. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know. What else do I need to look at in Alberta? Because I think I want to move out here. <laughs> well, you just move out here, and then we'll just we'll go figure out. It out. We have a podcast we'll just... on it. <laughs> we have yeah, a podcast yeah. on places in Alberta you should visit. I think they pretty well visited a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like they well, went, they to, went Waterton. to Waterton. Went they... to Waterton. We drove Highway 40. Highway, Highway 40. We went to Longview. Someday I'm going to have a steak there. I can't afford it right now. Yeah, that's... Do it. Yeah. I, I got to be honest with you. I only got you. pictures, and I'm really jealous. I got to be honest with you, though. Um, steak here anywhere is really good. Yeah, like, it's true. Uh, Alberta mm-hmm. beef is just—it's really good. When when people actually made comments about it, I was like, I don't know, man. You know, how good bet, could it be? It's a steak. I've I had mean, some pretty good steaks. Right? Yeah, no, this was—I was like, yeah, no, this is good. And ever since I learned how to reverse sear, I don't even know if I need to go to a restaurant anymore. I don't know. You got the smoker figured out. You get the oh. reverse sear. You. It's good. Get some quality meat. You get. You must have a local butcher to deal with. Yeah, there's right? two. Yeah, there's Sweet. there's two right in High River. Yeah, like the the brisket that I made. I I wasn't kidding when I said it was this big. It was like it took up the whole rack. It was on my really smoker. heavy. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like super expensive though, but it was awesome. Drumheller is kind of cool. Yeah, Drumheller, that is pretty cool. All right, gonna have to drive up there, look at dinosaurs. That might be a trip with the boy. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely bring the boy. They got a couple little museums there, and there's one that's more geared towards kids. So they actually got like a robotic T-Rex that mm-hmm. that does like a bah, you know. Sweet. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It was funny because the kids thought they were really tough, and they were like, "Hi, dinosaur!" And then it went, ah, and they were both like, "Gone." <laughs> both of them were like freaked right out when we first moved out here. It was pretty fun. There's lots, man. There's no, a I, ton. I like Southern Alberta. I think that's the. I think that's the plan. Cause I mean, I'm kind of tired of being a tax farm for the Ontario government. Yeah. So I was really happy when Wynn left. Yeah. I wasn't super thrilled with Ford when he came into office, and I thought he did pretty well early in the whole COVID thing. Cause I'm like, oh wow, this guy's actually got like some leadership potential. He's actually doing some decent. And now looking at some of the bills he's passing, it's like, oh no, I still live in Ontario. This is dumb. Yeah. There's a lot there. Like, but the thing is, is like, so we're trying to crawl out of this deficit, right? Because mm-hmm. Alberta never really had a deficit. Well, like, and then you had an NDP government. You got yeah. a great deficit. Yeah. Huge deficit. Well, Ralph Klein, right? He, yeah. he basically took Alberta out of debt. Like, we owed nothing. And it was amazing, right? And everybody loved Ralph Klein for that. And I've heard nothing but awesome stories about that guy like local stories about him like just i'm done at five o'clock you know and then he goes into the bars and has a beer with local people and he just you know someone tried to talk to him about work he was like no i'm done at five and that's the kind of guy he was he was a blue collar guy and uh yeah so you know i heard all these stories and i was like that's pretty cool you know and i'm like government isn't like that anymore you know like and the conservative government is like we need to get back out of debt. Like we just, I don't want to be under the thumb of Trudeau. 
Mm-hmm. Like that that's the biggest one. They just don't want to be. Well, and why should they? They get no representation in Ottawa. The whole system is set up so specifically Ontario and Quebec control the uh, the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. Right? So all the senators are pretty well from Ontario and Quebec. And senators are get appointed by the government. And all of the MPs, the majority of the seats are Ontario and Quebec. So you get what, what Toronto wants, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the other thing is, like, a lot of people, like, there's a lot of people from Ontario and East that come up here, right, to work or whatever, whatever they want to do. Uh, you know, we came out because Andrea got a job offer, you know, and we decided we were going to stay. And, yeah, but the the way that people act here, I've noticed it's, there, there's not a lot of people trying to just put their hand out, you know. It's like, no, you go out and you work, mm-hmm. you know. That's what you do. You go out and you work, and then you get what you get. And, you know, I I, th- I think we're good proof of that, Andrea and I, because we came out here with a trailer. We didn't even own a house out here, you know. We came out here with everything in a trailer, and then we, we bought a house, and now, you know, now I think we're doing really well, you know. But it's because we... We didn't sit there with our hand out and try to expect something. We decided we were going to work, side businesses, whatever, you know. So for us, it just seems like it was a, it was a smart decision. But I, I felt more comfortable here, even working with people, like because people just didn't. I don't know if you worked at union jobs before. Yeah. Uh, so in my in my day job, my, in my career job, I do industrial automation. Yeah. So I mostly work in manufacturing plant type facilities with trades people and with like production crews. So most of the production guys are all unionized and generally I work with unionist labor. It so drives me nuts. and those kind of, yeah. It drives me nuts. I could totally see that. Yeah. It, it, um, so a, a friend of mine, he was in the sheet metal union. And he decided he um, he decided that he had to work on this one wall, and there was a ladder there, and it wasn't theirs. And so they asked the guy, you know, do you know whose ladder this is? And the guy said no. So they sat there for eight hours, being paid, waiting for the guy that owns the ladder to yeah. move it somebody else's so they ladder. could go do yeah. their job. And right there, I instantly was like, I hate all of that. Every every part of it, I hated. I was like, just move the fucking ladder and do the fucking work. You know, like, that's what I thought in my head, like, yeah. when he was telling me the story. And he's laughing about it, talking about how he's making 39 bucks an hour and he's just sitting there. And I was like, and that's the problem. That's the problem right there. You want to make $39 an hour? Make $39 an hour. But, but do, the work. do the work. Yeah. Man, you know, it just oh, it drives me nuts. I know this doesn't quite translate, but I work with another cashier who used to work at co-op, and at co-op all the cashiers are unionized. And um, your job is to stay at your till. You don't do facing, you don't do overheads, you don't clean things, you clean your own till, that's it. So she told me that when she started working here, she was like, oh, we have to go face in aisles, we have to bring stuff forward, we have to restock, we have to wash in produce, like, we have to do all this. It's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, I should go back and work at co-op. It's like, why'd you leave co-op then? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Well, if you didn't want to, like, do this kind of thing, why, why'd you leave co-op? Yeah. She didn't have an answer for me. Well, there's probably a reason why she left co-op. Probably. 
are probably a reason why they asked her to leave co-op. Probably. Politely encouraged her. <laughs> yeah, right. It'd be really good if you could find something that was more suited to you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like, I'm... When it's not busy, I'm out in an aisle somewhere because uh, the owner of the store, whose name is also Andrew... Um, What's my store? <laughs> it's your store? Yeah. Oh, right. cool. For when I move here, so I have groceries. Oh, cool. Yeah, he... That's for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> He wanted. He wants the cashier to do. So you know how all the there's like boxes above the aisles. Mm-hmm. So those are overheads. He wants the cashiers to do it because the grocery boys aren't, uh, don't do it right. The cashiers do it better. So now, now that's part of our job. I see. I don't agree with that either. It's work that needs to be done. Somebody's just got to do it. That's yeah. The... Yeah. The, the fact that somebody did a half-ass job so we're gonna get the other people to do it so then they don't have to do it anymore yeah i hate that i hate well you you guys know this Mm -hmm. there was always a rule in this house where if you decided you're gonna do a half-ass job i just made you do it over and over and over again until it was a good job yep and then you just realize all the time that you wasted being lazy in order to you know if you just did it the first time right Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about it again. The fact that you get something taken away from you because you're not good at it. Mm-hmm. But I've that's noticed, not a good life skill. But I've noticed at work that um, there's these two grocery boys that are always working together, that are always talking, and they're not really doing anything. And I can't say anything. I'm just a cashier. But I, I kind of noticed it annoys me, and I think that's because of you. Yeah. Oh, I definitely would. <laughs> but I would say something. That's just me, though. See... I picked positions of jobs. Like, I, I picked my job professions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of two ways. I was really good at it, and I'd be able to say whatever the fuck I wanted and without really offending people. Mm-hmm. So working in construction, you could be like, you're really fucking up, man. And you could say that, and no one's going to go cry to HR. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, what do you mean I'm fucking up? And then you can just have a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. You can swear. You could you know whatever yeah it's it's not like i'm calling names or anything but i could be like what are you doing just sitting around you know i can get monkeys to do your job yeah you know like i've i've actually said that to people like this isn't a hard job i can get a monkey to do your job and they're like well you do this job that's what i'm saying i'm not the smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. and i do this job and i'm your boss which means you're dumber than i am so <laughs> go do the job yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. But then if people go cry to office people and then office people pull you in and they go, oh, I heard that you did this. I've never really had that happen to me. No. Because I pick professions where I can be blunt and people just understand it. One of my, my second day at this new job, the guy goes, all right, man, you can fuck off now. And I was like, cool, man. I'll see you later. Somebody else would have took offense to that. Mm -hmm. But I knew what he meant. He meant go take off, jump in the truck, and go get your stuff. Mm -hmm. Just go fuck off. Yep. (laughs) It it didn't mean anything bad. Yeah. You know, that's just the way that he talks, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I'm I'm 100% different when with the sign company. You know, I'm nice to customers. I talk to customers. And and I I do stuff more professional because it's a business and I want to make money. Yep. And not a lot of people are going to like me if I decide I'm going to be like, this design is stupid. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. And I think you need to just leave this up to me. 
people are going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to hang So I want to talk to so you. So I have to be a little bit more, uh, you know, polite yeah. there. But for professions like truck driving and construction and stuff like that, and I imagine your job. Well, that's all right. Like, so depending on which of my, my many job hats I'm yeah. wearing. So like my, my little business when I'm shipping out merchandise and stuff or I'm the customer service guy that you're calling because yeah. something went wrong. Yeah. Like, yes, sir. No, sir. Three yeah. bags full, sir. Thank you. Have a nice day and all of that. And it's very professional. It all yeah. sounds good. And yeah. the emails are well written. And I'll get somebody that like emails and is like, I love the podcast. And it's like, cool, man. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Or if you're out in the field, tactical, right? Well, and that's... You, you guys I'm, are talking. You guys aren't... Yes and no, but like when I'm teaching, I'm teaching. And it doesn't really matter that I'm teaching gun stuff and wearing like camouflage because I have a, a class of people that have paid their time and money to be there, hopefully because I can make them better at what they want to do for fun. Yeah. Or because they got told to be there and they're doing it professionally, <laughs> which so doesn't always work out, but fingers crossed. So I'm going to try to clarify a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna dumb it down a little bit because so you basically teach people how to be john wick there's a lot less um jujitsu sexual assault <laughs> no terran tactical the guy that did the john wick training got into a lot of trouble at shot show this year oh really oh uh, yeah there's a video that came out that he was like not speaking professionally to a young lady on his staff oh Oh, yeah, there's a whole video about it. It's very bad. It's... I actually heard something about him just hiring a bunch of hot girls. Yeah, Taryn basically just hires a bunch of hot younger women yeah. to hang out at his range and talk about and play with guns. Yeah. And maybe other things. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's that's the place where John Wick, a lot of famous people go yeah, there. Yeah, he's a big Hollywood guy. Uh, yeah. he's, he's big in the industry. They make a bunch of aftermarket parts for firearms. He's a big trainer for special effects and Hollywood actors and you go and that's I mean that's basically the, the style of shooting that we teach is that action yeah move and shoot run and gun kind of stuff which yeah. is all based on sports that we play up here um, International Practical Shooting Confederation International International Defensive Pistol Association and then all the service rifle stuff that I do outside of that so when somebody shows up to a class it's usually me and other instructors on my team and a, and a group of students, and we try to have a fairly high student-to-instructor ratio. So it's like one to three or one to four kind of a thing. So oh, people nice. are getting a lot of individual attention. Yeah. But I'm not like, put the fucking gun up faster. And yeah. like, you, you don't yell at, you're not like Gunny Highway or Gunny Hartman from Full Metal Jacket, right? You're not like <laughs> yeah. yelling at people or shooting machine guns over their head or whatever. Because yeah. it's like, okay, so we're going to teach everybody how to stand. And we're going to teach everybody how to breathe. And then by about noon, we might actually get the guns out and do some shooting. Yeah. And yeah, so when, when people are there, because it is sort of that customer service, customer experience kind of stuff, because people don't want to get yelled at. Like, I'm not going to make somebody do push-ups for missing. Yeah. Which is something I would do if I were in the military and they, you know, you shoot badly, you do push-ups until you shoot better. Yeah. Which, as an adult now, I realize is not actually how you train somebody how to shoot a gun, but yeah. like, that's what the army said, so that's what we did. Yeah. So in, in in that capacity, yeah, there's a there's a certain level of professionalism because and part of it is like the instruction aspect of that is different. So you can't some people react really well. Like I, I find when we work with law enforcement a lot, they're uh, rougher than your average civilian. So you you can make some off color jokes and yeah. you can kind of like give them a hard time if they screw something up or they miss a shot or and you can rib them a little bit harder. Yeah, because it's part of that. Uh, 
like com- their professional camaraderie yeah. within their own organization is like that is they're a little bit harder on themselves yeah. on, on one another when you do that to off the street shooters like just civilians that show up to play guns they don't react well to negative criticism yeah it's like you can't be as hard on them you have to be gentler and sometimes it's like take buddy aside and be like okay so I know what you're doing I see it I need you to do it the way I'm telling you to do it because you're paying to be here you seem to have forgotten that if you want to do it the wrong way and do it your way that's cool yeah you spent the money, you keep doing it wrong, but you're just going to keep doing it wrong. If you do it my way, just try it for an hour and see how it goes. Yeah. All right. So there's... So you, of, you have to go softer gloves for sure. A little bit. And part of it is like you want the good customer experience because you want them to come back again because yeah. you want to take more of their money later. Yeah. Or you want to like set up a relationship where they're like, oh, I need to get a thing. Well, Ragnarok Tactical sells those things and Andrew used one of those things at the course. So I know he's got them. So maybe we can buy one of those things. Yeah. Right. So we do a bunch of accessories and aftermarket stuff and first aid supplies and belts and all of the equipment that you need for competitive shooting. So how much of your sales have went down because of this now? Uh, COVID is weird. Yeah. We immediately sold out of body armor after the May 1st ordering council. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took a long time. I actually just got body armor back in stock recently. So body armor is regulated by province. Every province is a little bit different. We're kind of a, a boutique niche market. I target a specific group of shooters. It's not even like the entire gun community that I'm after. I'm after that tactical, practical, competitive shooting market. So there's a couple of 10,000 of them in the whole country, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of that mid-tier. So it's people that are usually going to spend... They've already spent a couple thousand dollars on guns and ammo and maybe on training. And they don't mind dropping, you know, a, a little bit of money on like a, a nice holster instead of like the bargain basement, like... They're yeah. not buying the ten dollar one. They're buying like the hundred dollar one. They're not buying it off Amazon. Usually not. Amazon hate guns, hates yeah. gun parts anyway, so you can't get a lot of good gun yeah. stuff on Amazon. I just meant, you know, everyone yeah. goes for the cheap stuff, right? right. Oh, it's uh, it's not a wish item. And shooters are notoriously cheap people. Yeah. Everybody wants the cheapest gun stuff. That's funny. Hundred percent. But they'll spend the most on on guns. They will absolutely. I've seen guys show up to courses with four thousand dollar rifles, and they're trying to run five dollar magazines and one run like it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, what, what am I doing? Well, it's because you bought the, like, piece of crap, made in China, cheapest aluminum thing ever, and it doesn't actually fit because the tolerances are all out of whack. Yeah. Or, like, they'll, the same thing, like, Buddy shows up with a $4,000 rifle and he has a $25 optic on it. It's like, dude, I don't know what to do to, but, like, I'm never going to get you on paper because it's just not going to work. Like, yeah. it, it, every time you shoot it, it's going to move. It's just going to because it's a piece of shit. There's nothing we can do to fix that. Just buy a new one. That's crazy. Yeah, gun people are super cheap. As a rule. You're pretty quiet over there. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm observing. Learning. Maybe we're not talking about stuff she needs. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know much about this kind of stuff, so I'm just observing. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the business stuff and the instruction stuff, it all sort of it works itself out if that's the industry that you want to be in, I think. Because, like, I'm, I'm the same as, as you are, John. I pick things that I'm good at, or at least things that, like, people will think I'm good at and pay me for. Which is like how I got into firearms instruction. Somebody's like, hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you help me with this? And eventually I'm like, all right, but it's going to cost you like lunch or something. Because like this is getting tedious. Yeah. Oh, you'll actually buy me lunch. Okay. I should figure out how to monetize this and make it into a product and a business. And it's like, oh, I can get people to buy me more than just lunch. I can get people to give up like a day's pay for this. All right. Let's let's do that. And then, of course, you got to deal with the tax man and the CRA and all that stuff and insurance and paperwork and licenses and then it turns into it makes it not fun anymore but yeah. the actual instruction part 
very fun. But day, my day job is the same thing. It's like because I get hired as a third party consultant, I work with uh, trades or either labor or like uh, technical trades, like electricians and plumbers and pipe fitters and that sort of like hands on trades. Yeah. So when I come into a job site, I do whatever I want because I'm not unionized. I don't care. And the customer that's paying the trades people to be there or the production employees or whatever they are, I get paid to be there too. So like if I tell you to move something, you don't move it. I'm just going to do it. So like there's a scissor lift in my way. You could either move your scissor lift or I could move your scissor lift. I don't care. Yeah. I get paid the same either way and it's got to go. So get it out of my way. Right. Yeah. Or and that, I mean, that's gotten us into trouble on some job sites, too. I've been, uh, I was in uh, the U.S. working in Chicago at a plant, and there was no maintenance people. And I was like, oh, well, this this sorter thing doesn't work. It's like a mechanical device that goes up or down. So material either went up or down, and it got stuck. I'm like, well, I know how these work. There's a thick control on it. You turn it on, you turn it off, you jog it, you zero it, and Bob's basically your uncle. So I went over and, like, cleared the cleared a fault, got it unjammed, and got it working again. And, like, 20 minutes later, some maintenance guy shows up and goes, how did you do that? I was like... Well, I went over to the panel. I turned it off and on. I did the. I followed the process because it's like, it's an obvious process if you know what it is. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not a whatever a union maintenance level whatever whatever guy. Yeah. You can't do that. I'm gonna have you fined. I'm like, yeah, okay, but like the fine's less than the downtime on the system, so I don't care. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna pay the fine, and I'm not paying for the downtime because it's the system's down, man. Like, you can't just leave it not running. Yeah. So it's the same kind of position that you were in with. Like, I'm there because I'm good at it, and generally people are going to listen to you if you're good at it. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of it is the messaging around that. Like, you have to tell them the right way. Yeah, for sure. But, like, bottom line is, like, I'm a third-party consultant. I can basically do whatever I want. Nobody's going to stop me. And if they are, I'm just going to call my customer contact and be like, hey, listen, this, uh, what's your name? Oh, yeah, Bill the Electrician? Yeah, Bill the Electrician says we can't do this right now. Do you want to tell Bill that he should just get off the job site, or... Oh, no, Bill says he's okay now. No, it's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we run into that all the time with like contractors or trades that don't want to do something that they think is not their job or yeah. it's beneath them or it's outside of their skill or whatever. It's like, I don't care. I can do all these things. I can I can do electrical and I can do pipe fitting and I can do all the other things. I don't do those things. I do all the technical stuff, and yeah. mostly management now. But it's like, I know how all of your jobs all work together because they all feed into mine. So like, do your thing, do it well, and then get out of my way. Yeah. Right. I get that for sure. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. Like when it comes to just doing any kind of business, right? You, you try to focus on what you're good at and then that way you, you're going to excel in, in, in that field. And then when you excel in that field, bosses take notice and you do well, you know, and majority of the time, if you, if you're really good, there's a little bit of play that you get, you know, where it's like, okay, he's really good at that, but he does have a bit of a mouth. But yeah, but they're willing to overlook that if you make enough money. But he's money. really good at yeah, it. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, so... If you save them enough money, they're willing yeah. to overlook a lot of stuff, yeah. I find. I always found that if I was a good hard worker and I was blunt and someone took offense to it, um, there was a good chance that my boss would be like, it's just John. It's kind of the way John is, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's like... Did he call you a name? No, he didn't call me any names. So he didn't call you stupid or anything? No, no. He just kind of pointed out that, you know, something or whatever, right? They won't actually say what it is. And then, you know, if I did get pulled into the office, I'm like, he wasn't doing anything. You know, the guy wasn't doing anything. You know, I'm sitting here, you know, working my bag off. And I said to him, how about you get your hands dirty? You know, what do you mean? Well, you're not working. 
Yeah, I am. No, you're not. You take six bathroom breaks, you take five smoke breaks, and I'm sitting here doing this job, you know, basically. Yeah, I get that. You know, I'm like, quit being lazy or just go home. Like, you know, pick one of them. Figure it out. I don't need someone to watch me how to do my job. You know, and that, you know, and then that's where my boss is like, okay, you kind of pushed it a little bit there. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just being honest. I don't, I don't need him to sit here and watch me do the work. And then you come out and go, Hey guys, good job. When it was me, uh, you know, I I don't like that. If if someone's going to get praised, they better be working too. Yeah. Well, if it's, if it's a team effort, then the team gets recognized. If it's not a team effort, why is everybody getting recognized? Yeah. Yeah, I find that I, I, I get that. I find the other thing, especially coming up as a, a younger employee, doing the jobs that nobody wants to do yeah. tends to go pretty far. So, like, if nobody wants to face shelves, if <laughs> nobody wants to, like, sweep the stock room, and you're like, well, nobody else is doing it, I'll go get the broom and I'll go solve this problem. Eventually, you, you get to put in charge of solving the problems rather than being the guy that actually has to, like, grab the broom and then sweep, right? Right. You, you get recognized for the problem solving, you get moved up. Um, There was a day that we... Because... We used to have um, all tills open from, I think it was like 11 to 6, uh, Thursday through Sunday, because we had to, because of COVID. That's since changed. We're having left staff. But we had like seven cashiers on one day. There's only six tills. So no one needed to be on a till because they were all taken. And they're like, okay, so you're going to go clean the produce fridge. You're going to clean all the gross stuff out of it. You're going to take everything out of it, wipe it all down with bleach water, and then you're going to sweep and mop, and then you're going to put everything back in. And that's what I did. <laughs> because no one else wanted yeah, to do it. No one wants to do it. It's a, it's a gross job. That and facing the freezer, bringing stuff forward in the freezer. Nobody wants to do that because it's cold. But, no, just, like, that's an opportunity to be, like, left to your own devices for, like, a solid 25 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like put the put the jacket on. I'm sure they must have a jacket in the freezer. No, no. Okay, we have gloves though. Bring a jacket. <laughs> it's no frills. It's no there's frills. there's no frills like that. There's no jackets. <laughs> so bring your jacket to work and go and do the free because like you're gonna get left alone for like 30 minutes and the freezer is gonna look awesome when you're done. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Right. I I always told her I'm like you when you start a job you do all those crappy jobs, uh, you do all the jobs that nobody else wants to do and you get good at them and then eventually. Uh, you, when new people come, you're the one that shows them how to do it. You know, that's kind of, if you make yourself invaluable, then you've always got a job. If you, if you're sitting there at a job and people realize that anyone can do it, then, you know, if you have a bit of a mouth, then maybe they might get a guy that's not as mouthy to get, do your job. Yeah, but if you're good at it and you find a way to make the, like, because as an employer, like, you want employees that earn more than they're, than they're costing you. Not necessarily more than they're worth. Yeah. But, like, if I have to pay you 15 bucks an hour, you got to make, like, at least 30 bucks for me to hire you. Like, yeah. you have to be worth, like, at least double what I'm paying you because, like, I've got overhead, I've got payroll, I've got taxes on my side, plus your deductions, plus your actual pay. If you're a salary employee, I have to pay your vacation time, and I have to pay your benefits, and so on and so forth. So, like, if I'm paying you 50, like, if your take-home pay is 15 bucks an hour before deductions, you've got to earn me at least 30 as a business owner for you to be worthwhile, like, just, just to be there. Yeah. So, if you can, like, make me, like, 40 or 50, well, now you're worth way more than what you're costing me. Yeah. Right, and I'm I'm one of those people in my in my current role. I have a team of about thirty people in my day job, and we look after about eight million dollars worth of work every year, give or take. It's not a ton of work, but like, 
30 people doesn't cost the company $8 million, no. right? So we're like, we make hefty margins on a lot of the work that I manage. Yeah. And we go out and we find our own work because my team is reasonably self-sufficient. We have support from other parts of the company. But I've been told, like, point blank, in the annual performance reviews that nobody in management, like, above me, because technically I'm in management, nobody in our management structure knows what I do. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm super okay with that. Like, cause like yeah. something must be going right. Cause the team keeps growing. We keep making money. The customer is happy, but they have no idea what I do every day. Yeah. Like I show up and stuff happens and things get done, but like they no idea how it gets executed. It's because you don't <laughs> have to be babysat. Right. Cause That's they can right. leave me alone. And like I can show up and the, the, the project that I manage keeps growing every year. Cause we keep getting more work from our customers because well, I can be abrasive. I am very good at what I do. And the customer knows that because they'll give us a problem. They'll be like, okay, so the sorter needs to sort the thing this way. We deal with material handling. It's all industrial automation. Thing goes in, thing stuff happens to the thing, thing comes out. Could yeah. be like manufacturing car parts or whatever. So we have a some sort of industrial problem. How do we fix that? And they're hiring us because we're outside consultants that, in theory, know how everything's supposed to work. We don't know any better than anybody else. We're just making it up as we go. But don't tell the customers that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully one of one of the nine people that are listening aren't your customer. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. And if they do, I mean, like, that's why we, like, as outside consultants, we're kind of lucky in that role. Yeah. But it's the same even if you're an internal inside of a business. If you're the process engineer that figures out how the trucks get to the grocery store, like, as long as that guy can make the trucks run better every year, he's worth more money to me as a, as a business owner. So if he's willing to, like, figure out how to make the trucks more efficient or if he can, like, reduce the number of trips they need to make or if we can like cross load merchandise more efficiently so we don't run out of stock or like your your dairy fridge doesn't run dry on something on like fridays when everybody's stocking up for the weekend yeah mm-hmm. right because I, I deal with a lot of supply chain logistics so that's all the stuff that's in like the yeah. front of my mind is like okay so how do i make sure the store has the right stuff at the right time at the right right mm-hmm. so if you're in if you're in the production side of the business if you're in uh customer facing side of the business it's the same same ideas, a different set of problems to solve, but it's the same, how can I make everything flow through my system better so that everybody else has less touch points into it and so that the management leaves me alone to do the thing that I want to do, which hopefully is also the thing I'm good at, or at the very least, the thing that I don't hate doing every day so I can get paid a bunch of money to do something that is tolerable. Mm-hmm. Is like That's part of the other problem with a profession is like, what do you want to do versus what do you... In- not necessarily what you even enjoy doing, but like what you can tolerate in exchange for money. Because mm-hmm. the thing that you want to do and the thing that you get paid to do don't often overlap in my experience. There are just some exceptions to that. Like maybe you want to do artistic work and make signs or maybe you want to teach people how to sling guns. But most people have to work for somebody else doing something. So you just have to figure out how you can like be good enough at that to be left alone so that nobody bothers you when you're doing that problem solving task whatever that whatever that task ends up being yeah right yeah i'm 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 a firm believer of hands off so if some like if somebody's like okay so you need to do it this way and they get shown this one way right and then they go and then you walk away and they go i don't really want to do it like this you know maybe i do it like this instead and it works better for them I, I'm not that guy that comes back and goes, well, I told you to do it this way. You know, if it's a specific process that you have to do it that way. That it's mandated. Then it's followed. mandated, yeah. But if it's just something like, 
you know, okay, so you got to move that from here to here, and you need to use that piece of equipment, and you got to make sure that you go backwards and blah, 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 you know, and, you know, but if it's just, just leave me alone, let me figure it out, you know, majority of the time I get something done twice as fast, because if you're just showing me how it works for you, the reason why it works for you that way is because that was your process. Mm -hmm. That's usually the way I look at it. And, uh, yeah, like there's certain things I have to do at, at this job, right? It's explosives. You know, you have to put the stickers on the right way. You have to, you know, make sure nothing's covered. You have to make sure that the UN numbers are all, you know, like all the paperwork's right. Stuff like that. Like you have to make sure. You have to make sure everything's sealed and buttoned up so that way no one can steal any of your product, you know? But, um, but yeah, if it's just comes down to the driving in the truck, you know, if I had some guy telling me exactly how to shift the gears, I'd probably throw him out of the truck. Yeah, you know? I see that. Yeah, it's just one of those things where everyone finds their own way of doing something, and it just, you know, it, it there's going to be people out there that are going to micromanage and be like, nope, you can't do it like that. You have to do it like this, and those are the people that drive me nuts. Yeah, I could, I could see that. And I mean, Dell's example with your produce fridge there with like, when you clean it out, you probably have to use bleach. There's probably like yeah, not yeah. an alternative cleaning no. solution to that. But how but, you actually clean it is, yeah. I would imagine, more up to you. Yeah. yeah. Basically, what they told me was this is the cleaner you have to use because produce is kind of weird. They have different law or they have different rules than, say, grocery does because it's, it's produce. Mm -hmm. It's different. Uh, basically, they're like, you can use this cleaner. And here's all the stuff you need to use and just do it however you want to do it. Yeah, see, okay. I like that. That's the, that's the way I would prefer. If you want to take it out sex, section by section, go for it. If you want to take it all out at once, put it all back in, go for it. Yeah. Well, man, we've done an hour and five minutes. Yep. This has been one of our longest podcasts. Oh, so we're not like Joe Roganing this. I don't get a no. I don't get a bathroom break and go oh, smoke God. a doobie and we go for another two hours. No, I, <laughs> good because I'm. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't do that. I'm like I'm a, I'm an old man. I get up at four forty five in the morning. I can't do stuff like that anymore. Ugh. Yeah. So um, yeah, because it's kind of late. Yeah. But I think we'll button this up. All right. Thank but, you so uh, much for having me on, dude. It was awesome. Like Thanks I for I, I kind of wish. Time kind of wish that you know we did this more because well, we'll, well get you when you move out, out if, here no no in the meantime until i get moved out here okay. we can permanently set up my corner of a studio we'll figure out how to get the internet thing working so we can do it over the phone sort For of sure. over the internet yeah I'll, I'll think of some topics and we can just we can have a topic podcast on nice. sunday yeah i think this was a lot of fun i actually i'm actually bringing it through an ethernet cable I'm wiring it down here so it's hardwired that way the internet's because it's a little funky in the basement right so it can be yeah yeah so now i'm hardwiring this all set up so we'll have more stable internet it's harder in rural area mm -hmm. but we actually found a place that's like consistent 50 meg which isn't super fast but it's good for rural as long as it's consistent yeah. it doesn't need to be fast yeah yeah no it's pretty consistent it's been it's been really good we had the Telus Hub, and it was just horrible. It was just all right. So we're not sponsored by Telus. Mm, no. Okay. Even though my wife works for him. Nope. Not even close. Even though your wife works for him. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, man. I really, I really Anytime. had a good time. And uh, yeah, you guys stay tuned for Sunday, Sunday when we'll talk about. 
Talk about stuff. Talk about stuff. I love stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye.